Well, hello there. Welcome to episode one of Stream Scout, the movie review podcast about all things streaming. Today, we are taking a look at a film on Netflix called Triple Frontier. First things first. Any man here that wants to walk away can do so knowing they're the best of us. This gotta be now. There is no ground support. The injuries we sustain, we're walking out with. Make no mistake about it. You guys need to own the fact that we do not have the flag on our shoulders. You cannot go back to your normal life after tonight. Triple Frontier is an action crime thriller directed by J.C. Shandor. It stars Oscar Isaac, Ben Affleck, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, and Pedro Pascal, an absolute murderer's row. The TMDB overview is this. Struggling to make ends meet, former special ops soldiers reunite for a high-stakes heist stealing $75 million from a South African drug lord. Now, if it's your first time listening to Stream Scout, which it probably is, given that this is episode one, what we do here is we take a look at the movie spoiler-free, then we take a little bit of a break, give you a little musical interlude, and then we move on to the spoiler-filled take. So, you can listen to the first part here, and I will let you know, believe me, when we start spoiling things. So, spoiler-free here, I've now seen the movie twice. I saw it once when it first hit Netflix back in March, and I saw it yesterday for the second time in prep for this review. When I saw it the first time, I really liked it. On second watch, I think I like it more. Now, when I first saw the just the beginning of the trailer for this, I was sold. Like I saw J.C. Shandor's directing, and he wrote it. It's got Oscar Isaac, it's got Ben Affleck, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, Pedro Pascal, like this just absolute row of incredible actors who are awesome dudes. Uh, They're doing this action film where it's one last job to go take down this South American drug lord, like sign me up. Now, honestly... I've not actually even seen any of Shandor's other work. I've just heard it's all really good, especially her good things about A Most Violent Year. Uh, He did All is Lost, the Robert Redford movie where he's on a boat with the waves and whatnot. Um, There's another movie that I'm just not thinking of right now for some reason. Uh, Now, this sounds, when you just hear, okay, here's this cast, it's one last job, it's an action film, it sounds like you're getting a certain kind of movie. But this film is actually way more Hurt Locker than it is The Expendables. And, as a matter of fact, the script for this movie was written by Shandor and Mark Bull, who also wrote The Hurt Locker and wrote Zero Dark Thirty as well. So if you're going into this movie expecting just action, 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 you're probably going to be a little disappointed. As a matter of fact, at almost exactly the halfway mark of the movie, the biggest set piece in the entire film is over. Now, 
it does have some nods to that sort of thing. There's a character in the first minute of the film that literally says, I was the best of the best. And so, I mean, it's not completely devoid of that. And some of those tropes do sneak in from time to time. But it spends the rest of the movie really kind of undercutting that idea. And of course, I'll get into that more in spoilers, but I think there's a lot of subversion of the typical soldier story that audiences cheer for. I think it's got a little bit to say about the way we treat veterans when they return home from active duty. Like, I would not be surprised at all if this is a movie that lands with veterans who have actually served overseas and done tours in these incredibly hostile areas, if it lands a little bit more for them than it does maybe for some general audiences that are uncomfortable with sort of the realities of what life is like for them coming home. Uh, Now, just on sort of a technical level, this film is beautiful visually. It's realistic, but it's very rich, which is sort of a hallmark I'm noticing of the DP on this. His name is Roman Vazyanov. I think I'm pronouncing that right. He also shot End of Watch and Fury, which especially End of Watch is another movie that is shot really well, looks great. But it's that especially is a very hyper realistic sort of style. Uh, This guy actually also shot Suicide Squad which is a terrible film, but it looked incredible. And so this being Netflix, it's got the, you know, Dolby Vision is enabled if you've got that tier account uh, and you've got a connection that can support it. It can do the Dolby Vision or just the HDR10 and it looks unbelievable. Please don't watch this movie on a plane. (laughs) You're going, like, if you watch this on a laptop or an iPad, I feel like you're not really getting the best of this movie. Like, watch this at home, sit down with your TV that I'm sure you have made sure is calibrated properly, right? Uh, Sit down, watch it, and really be able to soak it in because it's incredible. There's one shot in particular of this character who. We'll say he's enveloped in darkness and he lights a fire in front of him. And this shot is striking, both from a direction standpoint, because I think it's really kind of saying some things. But then just the basic photography of it is beautiful. The jungle environments look great. They look beautiful. Um, All of that sort of shooting around the triple frontier, which if you're wondering what what does the triple frontier mean? The Triple Frontier is the border of Argentina, Brazil, and Paraguay. So those three countries at one point share sort of a triple border. Uh, You know, I guess kind of the same way that, you know, we've got those four states that sort of form the corner. It's not a nice and neat four-corner situation, but, you know, they've got this like three-country border And that border is a center for drug trafficking, contraband, all sorts of bad stuff happening there. The one thing that I would say about Triple Frontier is that I'm not completely sure it sticks the landing. That's not to say, like, the ending isn't bad, and it's certainly not something where you're going to watch this and, like, it's going to leave you completely dissatisfied because, oh, that ending was just terrible. It's not that at all. It's like 
if I had to compare it to something, it's like, you know, a gymnast does the flips off the pommel horse, or is that what it's called? I don't know. Whatever the, there's some sort of horse involved, right? Where you run up and then you jump off the thing and you do the flippy doos. And so they do the flippy doos and they come down and they land with two feet, but they don't exactly like stick it. They like hop forward a little bit but they land again on both feet so it's not like a rough landing it doesn't like do the flippy doos and then land on its face and become a gif for all mankind uh no it like it it lands it it's just not it's not quite perfect and so i don't think it's a dissatisfying ending and i you know I, like i said already i really like the film and so uh, I'm not too too bothered by it, but it just doesn't it doesn't quite nail it for me. Now, one of the things that we'll be doing here on uh, Stream Scout is boiling it down to a yay or nay, a thumbs up, thumbs down. That is what Netflix has given us as users now, and so I figured I would just keep it rolling. Thumbs up, thumbs down on any given movie. And this one, Triple Frontier, for me, is a very easy thumbs up. Uh, I really, really like this movie. The people I would recommend this movie to would be, if you like a more thoughtful kind of action thriller, this is a must-watch. Like, this is a no-brainer. Uh, maybe you're not going to like it as much as I did, but you're you're going to find something here for you. You're definitely going to enjoy it on some level. Um, if you have, honestly, like even a passing interest in anything about this movie, you should watch this movie. It's great. The people I would not recommend this to, uh, if you're completely put off by action movies, this isn't going to change your mind. Uh, so you could probably walk away from this one and not feel too bad about it. Um, if, if just that subject matter for you is just, it doesn't do it for you, hey, everybody's got their own preferences. So yeah, this isn't, this isn't something you need to like stomach those preferences and go and, you know, sit through anyway. Um, it's really great. But if you're completely turned off by action, then that's not going to be for you. That's the, although to say there's not a ton of action in this movie, don't think, and I think that's one of the things that some people, like I heard on the Bill Simmons podcast, he had on, I think it was Shea, Sher Shea Serrano, and they were talking about, like they always talk about action movies, and they were talking about this movie, and they seem to be big fans of like the John Wick style, like just crazy stuff happening constantly, which I mean, to be fair, I am super pumped for John Wick three. I love that kind of movie too, but I can also get on board with something that's a little bit more thinky. Uh, that's not, to, I mean, this isn't like the most thinky movie of all time. It's not going to be a best picture nominee or something like that. Uh, although eh, you never know, but it, it's pretty good, but I, it's not, a brain burner by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, don't fear that you're going in and you're just going to see like action, 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 because that's that's really not what's going on. But all that to say, if action for you is just a complete no-go, then yeah, I wouldn't recommend this movie to you. 
other people I wouldn't recommend this to. Look, I there is way less jingoism here than you may expect. If anything, I think it kind of subverts that for the most part. However, if you're super duper sensitive to that or super duper sensitive to, um, you know, bro-y sorts of things, I, I, I guess I wouldn't call it bro-y. I don't know what exactly I would call it, but if you're super duper sensitive to that sort of thing, this probably isn't going to work for you either. Um, so you would probably be someone that I would say, eh, maybe not. Um, on the whole though, for me, this is an easy thumbs up. I really, really like this movie. Honest to goodness right now, just off the top of my head, sitting here thinking I didn't prepare this at all. Uh, it might be my movie of the year so far. Granted, I mean, we're only a few months into the year and you know, most of the great stuff doesn't come out early in the year. So I haven't seen too much yet. I don't imagine it will remain my movie of the year, especially with some of the other things I'm looking at coming down the pipe. But uh, man, I really like this movie. It's great. If you have even a passing interest in it, check it out. You won't be disappointed. Stay tuned through the break. After it, we will dive a little bit deeper into this movie where we will talk spoilers. Spoiler alert. All right. You're still here. It is spoiler time, which means that we are going to spoil this movie. I'm going to talk about plot points. I'm going to talk about everything. So if you're still here, you are willing to be spoiled on Triple Frontier. Uh, if you don't want to be spoiled, pause this now. Go watch it. Come back. And I'll still be here. I'll be living in your phone just ready and waiting to talk to you about this great film. So here we go, spoilers for Triple Frontier. One of the main things I think this movie is doing, and maybe the main thing this movie is doing, is it's showing how hard it is for soldiers to reacclimate to regular life. Uh, I remember listening to Bomani Jones on ESPN Radio, or an ESPN podcast, where he was talking about you know, a friend of his who had served in the military and was like, you know, came back sort of shell-shocked and was talking to Bo and was just like, man, I saw and did some messed up bleep. And that's true for a lot of people that serve. I mean, if you serve in those areas, that's going to be true for you. Like you're going to see and do some terrible things. And then you come home and have to find a way to live a normal life after that. Like, I can't imagine what that's like. And we don't really ever want to think about what that's like, and especially in our media, like in movies and TV we don't ever want to think about what that's like. We only want to show heroism and sort of celebrate that. And this movie really kind of forces you to look at the other side of that and think about the people that are going through this and sort of the human toll that these things take. 
And so that's the way the film opens, right? With Hunnam's character giving the speech is he's saying like, look, I was the best of the best. I did all these things, but then I find myself choking this guy out in a grocery store aisle because he didn't move his cart fast enough and things just sort of snapped and took over. Um, and so the movie really kind of shows these five guys just looking for a lifeline in different ways, like looking to try to reacclimate. You've got Charlie Hunnam's Ironhead, who is just trying to do his best to get along. Oscar Isaac's Santiago, he's sort of deluded himself into thinking that, oh, well, I'll just make this one last kill, and then that's going to let me rest peacefully. And we already kind of see, you know, by the end of the film, that that's not really true. And this one last kill has these terrible repercussions for him and everybody in his life. Uh, you know, Ben Affleck's Red Fly, he's having a hard time just making money. Like, And it's sort of under the surface, the fact that he and his wife are separated or maybe divorced. We're not really sure, but it's sort of fractured his relationships. He's having a hard time making ends meet because now he's got to support himself and support them. And and he just doesn't really know what to do. And that's what makes this heist so appealing to him is here it's this opportunity to not have to worry about that anymore. Then you've got Garrett Headland's Ben Miller, who he's become an adrenaline junkie, right? Like we, the first time we see him, he's preparing for an MMA fight. And you sort of, again, like you get this picture behind the scenes of the MMA fight of this fighter walking back from the cage and he's just covered in blood and those are some of the things that you don't really see if you just go to a UFC fight and certainly not if you watch on TV because they can just cut around that if someone's knocked out and they're down on the mat for minutes you don't see that on TV they cut away we do that with football as well right like you don't see sort of the human toll that these things take we just sort of appreciate the entertainment value of the sport, right? And so this movie gives you a little bit of just the behind the scenes of the MMA fight as a way to show you, like, there's a human toll to this military fight as well. And so we kind of get that window and that metaphor through Ben Miller, the character that Garrett Hedlund plays there. And then you've got Pedro Pascal, who his character, Catfish, his life is just falling apart. Like his pilot's license is revoked because he got caught with, I think it's cocaine or something like that. Like it's, his life is just sort of in shambles and he still has his wife. She's still there, but we don't know anything about her or anything about that relationship. He's just kind of seems haggard. Like he's holding on by a thread, just sort of the whole movie. And so the whole film is really this tragedy, right? Like they don't know how to reacclimate into society. This is all they know how to do is, you know, this military thing. And so that's what they do. And then it ends up getting Red Fly killed in the process. And so I think that's kind of what them giving the money to his daughter is all about. Like, this is a part where, at the end, it just doesn't necessarily land strong for me. Because I'm not entirely sure what they're going for there with that either. I mean, I guess there's one line of dialogue. I forget who says it to who. Uh, but they say, you know, she made out a whole hell of a lot better than any of us did. 
and someone replies to that seems about right. And so they're really kind of wrestling with and reconciling who they've become in the process of doing all of these things that they've done for their country. And, and so I guess them sort of deflecting their guilt, uh, trying to, you know, mitigate that in some way is them saying, okay, well, we're just going to give the money to her. But let's talk about that money, because another theme that I really see running through this whole film is just greed. What's really interesting is that a lot of the things that you think are going to go wrong in this film don't go wrong. They're completely subverted. Like, first, you think Giovanna, oh, she's not going to be able to get the van there. And then she has no problem getting the van there. There's tension, and it's completely, like, released. Like, the van goes in, she jumps in the car, there's no problem. Then... We get sort of this tease that, oh, well, there's going to be a problem with the helicopter, right? Because here's where uh, Headland's guy, he shows up, or Hunnam's guy, his, uh, what's his character name here? Ironhead. Ironhead's got this contact, and he's supposed to bring this big lift helicopter, and he shows up in a prop plane. And they're all just kind of like, well, what in the world are we supposed to do with this thing? And he goes and he meets him and then the guy's like, oh, okay, you have my money? All right, bring the helicopter around. And then the helicopter is exactly what they asked for and it's exactly what they needed. And so you get that. Then at the very end, uh, Ben Miller, the character played by uh, Headland, I believe. Uh, yeah, Headland, not Hunnam. That's super confusing. That They have those two characters with last names that are so similar and then they made them brothers in the film on top of it. But so Headland's character, Ben Miller, he goes out to the boat to get to the captain to be like, hey, you're, you're taking us out of here, right? And so it's been days. He goes and does a little recon to make sure, like, hey, are you still here? The guy's still there. Goes back. No problem. They realize, you know, they can't get the money and all that. And so they finally make their trip back down. And he's supposed to go solo to the boat to bring the boat over. And the way it's shot, you're like, oh, goodness, like he's going to he's dead, like because there he's going to turn this corner and there's going to be the captain and then the camera's going to pan over and there's going to be a gun trained on him or something like that. And the captain's going to be like, sorry, man, don't know what to tell you. That's not what happens. It's shot like that, but that doesn't happen at all. So you have like these three things that really seem like they're going to go wrong, and then they don't go wrong. The only things that seem to go wrong in the movie are directly tied to their greed. They stay way too long to collect more money. Then they put too much money on the helicopter. Then even when Catfish tells them, hey, we need to throw money out of the helicopter, they don't just throw all of it. They throw as little as possible and go, is that enough? Are we good now? And Catfish is like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess it's, it's it's doing better now. But we, the audience, can hear, granted, I know nothing about flying helicopters, but we can hear that that meter is still just like, beep, 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 like it's just going crazy. You're like, D is it better? Because it doesn't sound like it's better. Then, you know, I'm not sure if there's a more pitch-perfect visual metaphor for the danger of money in general or of specifically this money than them having so much of it that they burn some, which then directly leads to them getting attacked and Red Flag getting killed. If that's not the perfect metaphor, man, I, 
I don't know what is. They literally have money to burn. And I know that Santiago's like, oh, no, it wasn't the money. But really, like, no, it was, man. <laughs> the money they've already established, you set a fire, you create smoke, people find the smoke. Like, those guys, it's a big desert it's a big or not desert jungle winter wasteland mountain sort of scene out there that that smoke definitely leads to them being found and so yeah that just that meta that visual just really worked for me of like oh man like now you have so much money you're literally burning it and that's what gets you killed like sort of this idea of the danger of too much uh, of excess and so and greed and so on, and I mean, the movie is a tragedy ultimately because of the things they're willing to do for that money, right? Because first it's well we're just going to do the recon, and then they do the whole job, and then it's okay the job is one murder and one armed robbery, and that's it, and that turns very quickly into hunt them down and count your kills, right? And then red fly. Redfly is willing to kill Yovana and her brother. And, you know, he's told, right? Look, man, that's one you don't come back from. But, I mean, he might be too gone, right? The movie shows that like, that money kind of turns him into this total monster. Or maybe it's cracking the veneer that he's constructed to hide that monster that's really been there the whole time. I think along with the greed, like there's a little bit of hubris here as well, right? Like I said, it's one murder and one arm robbery, and that leads to many murders, many more murders, a dead donkey, one of them dead. Most of the money ends up in a ravine anyway. I saw an interview that Shandor did with uh, PBS, and he likened the film sort of as this parable for the last 18 years of U.S. involvement in the Middle East, right? Where he said, like, we were all sold this pitch of, look, we're just going to go in, kill the bad guy, take the money, and we're gone. And as we all know, it wasn't even in the same universe of being that simple. And so we sort of see that reflected in these characters of, well, of course we're going to be able to do this. And then, of course, us as the audience, we see that everything just goes completely wrong the the ending of the film let's talk about that again the ending of the film doesn't completely land for me especially the very end of the film where santiago gets the coordinates to the money because i legitimately can't tell if they're going for a triumphant moment or a foreboding moment because I can kind of see it read both ways, right? Like he's handed the coordinates and and then like the music that kicks in is Orion by Metallica, which like coordinates Orion, it's kind of just an on the nose music pick. Doesn't really help us at all with uh, trying to, uh, you know, ascertain deeper meaning here. Uh, but the way it's, it's structured, it, it does have this, sort of triumph thing going on uh, but then at the same time if you really look at his face which is really what I was kind of gunning in on my second time seeing the movie is that the look on his face is not like oh yeah 
We're going to do one more mission. We're going to go back and get that money. No, he's got this look on his face like I just ate two Taco Bell value meals and I am loaded with remorse and sadness, right? <laughs> like that's kind of the look that he's got on his face at that point. And and so he's just it's like a like a growly stare into the middle distance that man that sure doesn't feel like somebody that's psyched about going back to the triple frontier to pick up this money and so it kind of kind of leaves you i guess wondering like well what will he do will he go to australia for yovana or is he going to go back and get that money no matter what it may cost him like i it just maybe um, maybe this is me just bucking against the nuance of it or something, but it just didn't completely work for me. Uh, one other thing that I sort of thought about was that they introduced this idea of the house is the safe, which I feel like could maybe have been a little bit more interesting than it was. Um the just that that sentence just in and of itself the house is the safe you're kind of like ooh, like that's that's sort of an interesting idea that maybe they could have been more creative with with you know i don't know exactly what that would look like but maybe there's some trap doors or secret walls or something like that and well i guess we do see one secret wall it's sort of like the panic room thing that lorea has set up behind the book uh, the armoire but that's really about it. The rest of it is just the house is the safe. Oh, it's very literal. Like there's there's money in the banana stand, sort of, so to speak. And it, but then at the same time, like I think about it too. You know, had they done that, does that turn this movie into escape room or something like that? And that's definitely not what you want. I think one of the strengths of the movie is that it feels very realistic and it feels very grounded. And so certainly wouldn't want to jeopardize that um, at, at all by doing something like that. And so, yeah, it leaves me kind of, hmm, like maybe they could have been more creative, but maybe if they had been, it would have made the movie worse. Don't want that. Um, but all that said, again, really like this. Um, just, just stellar stuff. I really need to go back and see some of Shandor's other work, uh, A Most Violent Year. I know, uh, Devendra, Devendra Hardwar of, uh, Slash Filmcast raves about that movie, if I recall correctly. Um, and so need to go back and check that out. Um, but there's so much time, there's so many movies to watch and hopefully now, uh, you have made some of that time for Triple Frontier because I really think it's worth it. It's a great film. So to wrap this whole thing up here, what did you think? You can send your feedback into the show at feedback at streamscout.net. You can hit us up on Twitter at twitter.com slash stream underscore scout. The next episode, this time I actually know what the next episode is going to be. I might not always, but this time I do. And the next episode, we're going to talk about Unicorn Store. A, uh, the directorial debut of Brie Larson stars her, Samuel L. Jackson, Joan Cusack, uh, Bradley Whitford. Um, man, there's a lot of people in that movie. 
and we will talk about that on the next episode of stream scout until then i will see you later